Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by... Tim. Good evening all. Yes, it's, a, it's an evening. Uh, we have the football on. We will not be too distracted. We have beer. We may be distracted by that. Um, but you know what? You need beer after suffering through a race like that. Um, I I was not a fan. Uh, I thought as interlagos weekends go, this was extraordinarily weak. Um, I, the only positive that came from this weekend is that we are getting interlagos extended on the calendar. And um, so not ev- I, I do agree to an extent. I don't think it was quite as bad as everyone is making out. There were certainly plenty of talking points. I do think the race was very very hurt by losing four of its cars before turn one or five of them from realistic competitiveness with Piastri being a lap down. Which, and Ricardo. Yeah. So you've gone from 20 lead lap cars to, what, 14 and then two who are a lap down after two laps, which... Yeah, I mean, calling the Hass a lead lap car is is a generous statement this time of year. Um, but Ricardo, yes. Well, we were Albon, at the start of the race, yes. remember? They usually we were a lead start... lap car for the first 10, 15 laps or so. It's <laughs> true. They're usually a top 10 car for that time. <laughs> <laughs> and then they fall apart. Um, yeah, I, I think the race was affected by that. Um, I think the midfield battle, battle for points that we saw in the sprint race, if you'd have had that in the main race, I think there would have been a swarm around the Hamilton, Sonoda, 8th, 9th, 10th area maybe the Gasly region as well. I think there would have been a lot more cars filling those gaps and making it a more interesting midfield pack race. Mm. Yeah, well, what happened was this race really did highlight, well, the sprint race and the red flag we had at the start of this race highlighted one thing in particular for me. These races are exactly the freaking same, except for there's only one thing that's different, and that's the number of laps, because we had sprint qualifying, Max first, Land, well, Max Lando front row then we had actual race red flag up where Max had you know got to first Lando second and then you've got the same thing up playing itself out Lando clings on to Max no one else can really match two of their pace rest of the race is you know I, I was very underwhelmed by Brazil and I get excited for Brazil a lot because Brazil you know has a lot to it there's a lot of history in Brazil but I will say that Interlagos does have a lot of credit in the bank for one and two what name me a circuit that has given you a banging race every single year that it's been on the calendar every every track is going to have its good races and its bad races and as talking points go and as i probably let's say a highlights package go this is still going to have quite a bit going for it i'm just going to be that i'm going to be that guy porter mao what where we raced once twice and then the second time wasn't even that great. It was all the second time was good. <laughs> the first time was good when Raikkonen went on his unbelievable tear. But second time uh, wasn't bad either. Yeah, you I, had... I, I, I still think that if you'd race five or six times at Portimao, you're going to get at least one bad race. Mugello? We should be racing there anyway. But <laughs> yeah, but, um, can't have three races in Italy, but you can have three in America. Work that one out. It's because America is rich with Formula One history. Um with all the um what the Caesars Palace car park and a broken Spielberg and a Watkins Glen that wasn't fit for purpose when they raced there yep and and an uh, Indy 500 where when it was on the calendar no F1 drivers ever took part (laughs) yeah pretty much 
that's America's F1 history. When you look at Italy, then you've got Mugello, you've got Imola, you've got Ferrari, you've got Alfa Tauri, you've got Monza. Monza. You've got <laughs> for you've got the history. Right. How have we already started bashing the Las Vegas Grand Prix on the Brazil Review podcast? <laughs> what they? Because I'm really. I have. N- there is not one part of of me that is excited for the Spider Pig Grand Prix. All right. It's. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't seen um, the me, uh, just look at the track layout. Turn it upside down. It's. Uh, I mean, Christian Horner was um, doing a a quiz on um tracks that have been rotated about trying to figure out what was what and he immediately recognized las vegas as an upside down pig lovely um, um should we get back to brazil because we, there were we talking points even though you're slamming the race well i mean apart from the fact they showed exactly what sprint races are it's just you know showing you exactly what's going to happen if you don't get a different grid in the sprint race to the main race then you get the same thing happening twice unless you have the weather to come along and mess things up Right. So you say this on the, tw- the there was twenty starters on or twenty meant to be twenty starters in each race on the entire grid. Only one driver started in the same place as they qualified from one race to the other this weekend, and that was Lewis Hamilton in fifth out of all twenty slots. Yeah, qualified in the same place. But what happened after like the first red flag? It's pretty much the same order, and anything of interest. There you go. Well, oh, there was there what? was one difference behind the front two. Yeah. Oh, what? Uh, Goat Nando Alonso. One of the best, probably the best drive of the season by anyone potentially, in my opinion. <laughs> not not if you're voting for Formula One's driver of the day. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How um, it used to be that Max would win it. Whatever he does, he crashes into a wall in Monaco and crashes out, wins driver of the day. He could crash into his teammate at turn one in brazil driver of the day but whatever happened he got driver of the day and it's it's now like lando norris is in that phase i saw on a on i listened to another podcast guys just gonna let you know um and they and they compared it to lando norris being in his verstappen 2020 era he's, he's not in a good enough car to consistently challenge the first team he's so much driving so much better than everyone else other than the driver in that one car Mm-hmm. And um, he keeps winning driver of the day every single week, regardless of what he does. Yeah. Two things to say to that. First of all, you listen to another podcast, you whore. And um, se- <laughs> second of all, yeah, completely agree. Uh, that's exactly where Lando Norris is right now. Uh, guaranteed driver of the day if he doesn't, if not anything else. Um, but going back, yes, Alonso, fantastic drive. What I loved about it was the whole F1 world was like, yeah, Perez is back rule of one lap and then Alonso overtook him again everyone was like oh yeah praise your shit again and Alonso's the goat that was Formula One fandom in a nutshell it was a better weekend for Perez uh, on the whole his lap times in the one practice session um were consistently good um he was very much screwed over by Piastri going off the road in Q3 for the main Grand Prix which put him down to ninth and then he's started did he start fourth finish third in the sprint race or start fifth finish third he started fifth but he was within one what one point what well, sorry point one one of the second of the stop and i think it was on on that sprint grid so it wasn't like he was a million miles away it, it was better from checo and everyone knows that i've been slandering checo left right and center for the last few months but i will give him credit where it's due it's an improvement whether 
it's enough to repair the damage that's been done. If he'd done that drive in a having come off the back of a couple of second, third places in the last few weekends, then I think it would have been much more of like a old solid drive. But I think he needs to show something more, but it, it's better. The problem is Perez's season, he can now do, you know, whatever he wants, he will be remembered for completely falling apart. It's a bit, the way I describe Perez's season is like Gary Lineker's 1990 World Cup. Four goals, plenty of assists, but he still shat himself on the pitch, and that's what everyone remembers. <laughs> uh, he didn't come back with a runners-up medal, though, which he'll now get after Mercedes' capitulation this weekend. We'll get onto that in a bit, I'm sure. Well, shall we just talk about that? Because, I mean, let's, let's face it, I think the race was dreadful. You said before we started recording that you thought it had its moments. I would like you to name an overtake that happened between laps 10 and lap 70, which didn't involve a Mercedes getting overtaken. Yuki, when he had pitted early on on the undercut and then was carving his way through the back markers. Okay, yeah, okay. Yuki, <laughs> Yuki's a good example. Okay, yeah, but other than that... Oh, other than, other oh. than that, in terms of in the points positions... Yeah. Yeah, um, I fully agree. Um, I actually think, and this is a bold statement coming here, Mercedes' worst weekend on raw pace since before the start of the hybrid era. So since 2013 or before, can you remember a time where on raw pace, without a grid penalty, without a accident, without a mechanical failure, can you remember a time where they were going to be eighth and outside the points on raw pace since since the hybrid engines came in? Because I start can't... our last season. No, even then, even then, George Russell started the season with. Oh yeah, he was Mr. Five. five yeah, five, 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 five. Yeah, yeah, he was... yeah. yeah. They, they were the third to fourth best car. But out there yesterday, I, th- I actually think Hamilton has probably outdriven the car to to get eighth place. Yeah. I, I think Russell drove the car to where the car was at, and I, and and he wasn't going to get points. He was going to mm. finish behind Sonoda and behind whoever was it Ocon in tenth. Yeah. What I'm going to say. Is actually this highlight one thing to me. You've been watching film, huh? Yeah, you 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 watch the tape because I tell you what, I think that's what the best drivers do is they watch the tape because Perez being overtaken by Russell, Russell got ahead. You know, he he put Perez in a position where he had to defend turn one, and then Russell overtook him going down to turn four, but then failed to shut the door. Yeah, Alonso, same thing to Perez. Yeah, but shut the door. Yeah. How reminiscent of the 2021 Hamilton overtaken Verstappen was that move? Yeah, it was. It was just brilliant from Alonso. It was like for like. for like between the two teams here. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was fantastic, and that's why Alonso is brilliant. Russell has the potential to be that brilliant, but obviously he's not showing it recently, and he doesn't really have the car to show it. It's a very very strange. Just a strange weekend to see Mercedes that far down the order. And as I say, we haven't we haven't seen that in F one for ten years. That's mm. a whole decade and that is their worst that is their worst weekend on pure pace for ten years. This is this is it. I mean re- Mercedes been terrible, but I honestly feel like part of the reason Russell got the same extension as Hamilton was because Hamilton knows he's got Russell on toast. Yeah. Um it's just so oh. difficult, isn't it? Because it, it seems to be that they bring one set of upgrades and it swings the car towards Lewis. They bring the next set of upgrades, it swings the car back towards Russell. 
and it's and it's ebbed and flowed all the way through this season. You you can tell that when the upgrades come, one of them rises up and one of them falls off. But overall, Hamilton is probably going to finish third now. He's not going to get second, I don't think, because Perez has increased that gap to thirty-two points with two races left. So I don't think it's out of the just, question. As long as Perez just finishes what top six, he guarantees it in both races. And he's got a street track coming up as well, and he quite likes Abu Dhabi, so. No, I I honestly feel like there's something more in this season. I I I don't know. I just I can't figure out the Mercedes. It looks brilliant one week, looks terrible the next. Um, a bit like the Ferrari. A bit like the Ferrari, except for the Ferrari, if it's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong, and it's not the fault of the drivers for sure because it breaks before the drivers can even do anything wrong with it. Sometimes yes, but even the pace of the Ferrari this weekend was just not there. It's, it's such a strange well, first row got the got the first row with Leclerc again um oh, over one lap it's fantastic but it destroys its tires but my my problem with um my problem with Ferrari is uh it, it's just the luck they give them just the luck of their drivers I mean it I thought Leclerc was going to cry on the radio he's going how unlucky I am I'm thinking you know what you are unlucky I just don't know. I don't know what Ferrari can do to change the luck because it, now it's got to the point where it's like this guy out there that's uh, drive around with a lucky rabbit's foot around there, four leaf clover on the back of the car, and I'm burn crying. anything and burn anything that as you leave the track that may have caused you any bad luck on over the weekend. Yeah, I I agree. Not much. There's honestly no more. There's nothing really much more that we can say, is there? From the point of view of Checo Perez, no, he's not Checo Perez. Charles Leclerc. Sorry. From the point of view of Charles Leclerc. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong in that car. Gearbox, yeah. engine, tyres falling apart, hydraulics. Um, strategy. Interesting that... Well, actually, I think their strategy has been better this year. It's been better. Yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> better. Has. Better. Yeah, it's not something that you can change one person and the whole culture of the industry is going to change and if you change everyone that's in there then they're not going to know how to work together at all so it's got to be a gradual process of improvement tim the last see the last few seasons for our strategy have been like an episode of kitchen nightmares <laughs> all right it can't get any worse <laughs> yeah uh if you want to if you want to argue it that way then yes um it could get worse. You could be Mercedes strategist for the last three months or so. Could be worse. You could be Nico Hulkenberg, once again doing absolutely nothing wrong, causing chaos. Yeah, I agree. Um, personally, I've seen all three on board, seen them in slow motion. I'll say it quietly because he's been brilliant all year, but I blame Albon. I blame Magnussen. Oh, uh, where's, Al- where's Albon going to go? Albon's on the outside. Hulkenberg's in the middle. It's Magnussen who comes across. It's like... It's like the um the one in Qatar. Ocon came across, not knowing Perez was there. Magnuson came across, not knowing Alvin was there. Too much. I say I blame Magnuson. I don't blame anyone for it. It was a racing incident, but it was Magnuson's actions that inadvertently were the ones that caused the crash. I don't know. Maybe you could blame Hulkenberg's slow start then off the line, slow launch off the line. Well, you say that, but it, the, the, slow, the, the slow the slow yeah. launch from Alonso got him third place. <laughs> it did indeed it did indeed well, he, well his teammates launch wasn't much better was it although he was what Lance was five seconds behind five or six seconds behind Perez and Alonso at the end so 
He fought well, back. He's he, Elias the last he, few weeks, hasn't he? he, he well, he was five six seconds a lap behind, five six seconds behind by the end of the race. I wonder how much of that was caused by the battling. Well, I can tell you what. Before they started battling, it was ten and a half seconds. So, so six he, seconds. So, so so he gained four seconds about half the time with uh, with 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 them battling. But that's where he's driving consistent lines. He's at the end of a tire stint. He he needs to keep the pace up. And do you know what? If he finishes, if he'd been finishing within six seconds of Alonso in most races this season, he'd have a couple of podiums. Well, here's the thing. If Lance Stroll had done what he'd done today all season, we wouldn't be calling for him to quit and to take up tennis instead. All right, this is this is Lance Stroll. This oh, is I don't, Lance I don't Stroll. want if he to take up tennis, but I, I think had... I think that him and Perez should go and drive the Aston Martin hypercar that is being designed by Adrian Newey, <laughs> because what a team that would be. I just don't get Perez. Oh, sorry, Perez. You've Stroll. got me going. Now. I don't get Stroll. I mean, this is the thing. You go, oh, he's done a good job. Yeah, if he had gone and extracted the bare minimum of what was acceptable from the car for the rest of the season, out Aston Martin would be comfortably second place in the championship. Oh, I, I don't know about that with the way that their car fell off. I think Mercedes would still be in and around them, even if even if Stroll had often if Stroll had been where Alonso was at the start of the season consistently. But the thing is, Alonso was in a place to pick up points and pick up fringe points and Stroll would have been in that position too but Stroll was absolutely nowhere yeah and if, if Stroll had been somewhere like he was today doing the bare minimum when he was outperforming let's face it who did he beat Signs didn't have a great race was out of position from the um from the two red flag restart uh, from the two re- from the start and the restart kept dropping back swore bloody murder over the clutch Fair enough, out of position. Mercedes, rubbish. Alpha Tauri, awful Q1. And then Ricardo got shafted. Piastri got shafted. Albon, shunted. Bottas and Alpha, well, and Joe, Alpha Romeo. We'll talk about Alpha Romeo, disaster. We'll come back to that. But <laughs> the problem with Stroll was he did what he had to do today. But why couldn't he do this all season? What was going so wrong? And this is where he lacks the mentality, in my opinion, to be a Formula One driver. Or to be a Formula One driver that's consistently in the upper reaches of the field. Yeah, you can go through bad phases if you're a midfield driver because you go, oh, he's had a few bad races and all of a sudden he starts getting fringe points again, like Tsunoda. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, let's come back to uh, Alfa, Alfa Romeo. Romeo. Yeah, yes. double, double, double DNF. Sounded double like DNF. the same issue. Double DNF, but the worst thing about it was... If you are scrapping at the bottom of the championship and two or three points could change your season, especially at this late stage, you can't afford to have such a disastrous you know, performance, especially when you've got two of your rivals taken out at the start, another run of your rivals a lap down through no fault of his own. In fact, your five cars are out of the place and all you've got to do is beat... You've got to beat Sergeant... Beat Sar- you've got to beat Sergeant Hulkenberg... And then you've also got, of course, Russell retired. Yeah, you've got, you got to be... Uh, yeah, you probably would have had to have beaten one of the two Alpines. Yeah. And Ocon, Ocon had an awful weekend from start yeah. to finish. So, yeah. yeah, that's one of them that you could have feasibly beaten. Yeah, but they could have picked up a point. Made, they could have been between Sonoda and Ocon, maybe, it's, if they'd have executed everything correctly. And considering it's in the fray, that Haas could be getting points from Austin still because of the uh, penalties that failed to be applied and the consistency of how the regulations were. Yeah. 
were carried out, you know, it's, I mean, first of all, it's just showing how much of a joke Formula One's become with this whole track limits bullshit. And the fact we still haven't resolved it. <laughs> I don't think anything will come of that. I think F1 uh, will, I think the FAA will swipe that under the carpet and forget about, it's only a little old hass, it's fine. I think they'll just swipe it under the carpet and just go, oh, we made a human error and um, it won't happen again, we promise. Until and, we uh, reach Justin next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or until we reach um until we invite until we invite those stewards back into the paddock for some reason just to um uh, host a, reach, a support race austria and we give half the grid 30 second penalties after the race i agree though i agree um who else did i mention oh i wanted to touch on esteban ocon awful weekend for esteban ocon <laughs> well the, what was alonso doing just you know keeping out of his way and getting crashed into <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What a man, man, Alonso. How dare he be just taking his time on an outlap and get crashed into by an out-of-control Aston Menachem, who said he didn't lose the car. But, you know, he fucking lost the car. Oh. That was so bad. Awesome. Um, I, so, so Ocon's, Ocon's last three races, he's finished 10th in every race. At Austin, he was 24 seconds behind... Um, Albon in the Williams in ninth, who he started ahead of. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, no. So that is management, though. When you can't catch the guy in front, you do just manage. I don't care. I don't Grand Prix race. Grand when, Prix when racing. It's one, when it's one point on the line, when it's one point on the line versus no points, you fucking race as hard as you can. If Albon gets a ten second penalty, you need to be within ten seconds to. Yeah. Which is the way that teams should be working now, is you need to try and get to 10 seconds. But the thing is, teams don't work like that because it hasn't changed since Alain Prost, which is the the whole... I'm pretty sure it was Alain Prost who said the whole aim of, of being a Grand Prix driver is to win the race going as slowly as possible. Yeah, then, sorry, that was at Mexico, 24 seconds. Um, he retired on lap six in uh, USA after driving into the side of Piastri and it was his own fault. Yeah, and then yesterday he was the first car a lap down, but on track he was ten seconds behind Sonoda. Sonoda was a minute nine; he was over a lap down, probably to call it ten seconds. And um, he was over half a minute if you add up the times behind his teammate. That's uh, that's a worrying run of form based on who you were not beating and how far you are behind them. What I would like to say is, Tim, there's been some bad luck as well for Gasly. And, well, all I can say is, Alpine, I'm sorry, because I can't help but feel that this is all my fault. <laughs> What's he <Because> doing? <laughs> every time I've selected you in the Formula One Fans UK grid rival team for myself, you've had a DNF. When I've gone in Australia, I went double Alpine. With Alpine as my team, you had a double DNF. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I have cursed you, or you have cursed me. Uh, um, actually, what I will say, seeing as we weren't on last week, this is what you get for letting Anthony Joshua speak to your driver on a formation lap, just for a couple of YouTube views. If you don't want to take, treat the sport professionally, well, no, he does own you, part of the team. If, if you, if you, yeah, but I don't care. I don't care that he owns part of the team. If, if um. Well, he owns part of the team, so I think he wants with it. Are you going to let the owner of Ineos come on and speak to George Russell on 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 a warm-up lap? Well, I'm pretty sure Toto Wolff is the owner of Ineos these days. Oh, 
<laughs> he so might as well be. <laughs> you have the racing people who speak to the drivers in that moment. And yeah. then you have the sponsorship people who can talk to them, even on the grid before the race, in, in the paddock after the race. Yeah. Talk to them on a Friday afternoon. If, if, if Alpine, it's a lack of professionalism across the whole board of Alpine. It started with the Otmar Safnauer debacle in the summer and it's just continued and it's getting worse and worse. Well, they're just like, well, look at us. We're owned by all these all these celebrities. It's like, yeah, but how are like those it... celebrities going to hang around when you're absolute when you're floundering half a minute behind an Alpha Tauri week in week out? Uh, indefinitely, because there's so much money in Formula One, you don't even need to be successful now probably to make money in it if you're an investor. But yeah, I get what you're saying. It is pretty bad, and I mean it's it's become and... one of the, it's become one of these things, hasn't it? Like it it's a joke. They've um been they've got they've got all this investment and it's like okay when's it going to show I mean it's not we're not expecting immediate turnarounds and maybe next season we'll see a competitive Alpine but I I highly doubt that L plan was ever about getting all these sports people to invest in you because you can't find a serious motorsport backer L plan is dead L plan is it's now Le Plan because they've got two French drivers but. Le Plan, El Plan, whatever you want to call it, it's, it, right now it's dead in the water. Yeah. It, it's, it's floating somewhere in the mid-Atlantic off of the French slash Spanish coastline. It, the it, 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 it's not the, an active thing. Yeah, the acquisition of Gasly is the only thing I've liked that Alpine have done this year. And honestly, the way that Ocon's driven, I think next season they should be exploring taking Drogovic off of Aston Martin if Aston Martin decide that they're going to keep strolling the car. Yeah. And I, that pains me to say it because I think that a confident Ocon is, and, and a fast Ocon could be a really good upper midfield driver. I really, I really like his ruthlessness in his driving style. And yes, it gets him into the few inc- a few odd incidents. But if he was given a car to win, let's say, get on the podium, it would be a case of bring me the trophy or bring me the steering wheel off of the broken car, as they say in America, bring me the, bring me the trophy or bring me the steering wheel. And he would either bring you the trophy or the steering wheel. If he was in a top competitive car, I don't think he'd be finishing mid points if he had one of the top two or three cars week in, week out. I feel like he's gone so far off the boil now as to ban Ocon that if he doesn't, if Nick, if the first half of next season doesn't go well, I feel like he could be going the route of a, uh, a harsh, you, you know, everyone thought it was quite harsh when Magnussen wound up out of Formula One the first time. Yeah, but I don't think it would be that harsh this time. No, exactly. But that's how I feel like it would. But that's how it would feel. I feel like you feel oh, Esteban Ocon has been hard done by if he's out of Formula One, but at the same time you feel like eh, I get it. I can see why the results. Yeah, I, w- I was there. almost. I actually wanted him at the start of the season to be the confident fast Ocon that we know is in there, and not. Because of anything against Gasly, I wanted him to beat Gasly. Because a lot of people said, oh, Gasly's going to come in and instantly become the team leader. And I thought, no, Ocon is the one that they've been there a while, that they've put their faith in on a long-term contract midway through last season. Is it, is it 2020, end of 2025? I think he's up there till. Yeah, he's one, of the, four, he's one not... of the four or five drivers that's definitely, that was through to next year and has the option of the extension. Do you re-sign Ocon? Do you give him that one-year extension that is the option at the end of this contract? It's hard to say because he is a Formula One winner and there's not many of those left on the grid. 
it, after Vettel, Raikkonen, all that, they go. Um, you know, it's, Bottas probably won't last much longer. I feel like he's going to be calling it quits one day or another. Um, so that sells. Um, the other thing is the podium in Monaco, brilliant. But all it feels like is just like he's had a good launch stroll season <laughs> where he surprised everyone and got, oh, he's got a podium. Oh, and he but, he sprung up and he sprung a couple of surprise results in the past. And do we? Pain, but different. <laughs> if you're going to argue that and you say you've not got daddy money to keep you in the sport, then I'm saying no, you're not re-signing Ocon. But then again, he, I go, I look at Gasly and I go, has it. Gasly really shown me enough this season for me to say it's Ocon's fault? Has Ocon had so many DNS through bad luck that it's hard to say? It's it's like the whole classic argument of of what I always find myself back against the wall about saying is that I feel like Carlos Sainz is as good as Max Verstappen. It's just that when they were in equal machinery, Sainz got shafted by DNS and reliability all the time. Um, yeah, uh, I personally think that when the car hasn't been shit or broken, or even when it has been shit, I think Gasly has got more out of it consistently. And I think Gasly has made one or two... Not even major errors, like putting it in the wall or putting it in the gravel trap. Just the qualifying laps, the lockups, the the little moments that are F1 level matter more than they do anywhere else because they they're punished so much harsher if you if if you have those moments. I just feel like Ocon is consistently having more of those in the in the moments that matter when he is getting his chance. Yes, he he had the great driver Monaco, but can you really pick out a great or a really, really good Ocon performance other than Monaco this season? Yeah, I can. But he didn't finish. Australia. Well, I thought he was exemplary um, in Australia. But he, he didn't finish. Six before that incident, wasn't he? Third. Was he? I think he was no, up. No, because Alonso was third. Because Alonso oh, yeah, started Alonso third on the grid and then lost all the positions because he crashed and then he got given the podium back. Cost Hulkenberg a podium. Yeah, the, the the biggest winners of that um, of that weekend were Aston Martin Australia because they got away with murder. Even on that weekend, Ocon qualified 12th at a circuit that, yes, they're arguing that it's a low, low, like their engine is down on power. I wouldn't actually, maybe Australia with the new modifications is a bit more power dependent, but I wouldn't say it's a out and out, all, all high power, low downfall circuit. Yeah, well, I mean, that is the other thing Alpine has struggled with is that they asked for the engine freeze because they've messed up their engine so badly. There was um, nothing wrong with that engine yesterday as it failed past the Mercedes. Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> it was against the Mercedes. <laughs> um, when I look at the Mercedes this weekend, I will go back to this. It was pitiful. It was honestly pitiful. Um, and I just don't get how you can, I don't get how you can struggle so much in one race compared to, you know, the last. I, I don't get what, I don't get what went so wrong. Is it the sprint format? Does the sprint format need to change for teams to be able to be competitive across a weekend? Because if they get it wrong after FP1, their weekend might as well be done, might as well be like finished. But that's their own fault for getting it wrong in FP1. No, but do you FP1 feel like there needs dry. to be, do, do you feel like the sprint format needs to shuffle about 
to improve like improve it because it feels like there's a lot the only thing i would say it needs to improve is the um i i think they should if they're going to do it in the similar format to what they are now with the one practice session make that practice session an hour and a half it's the only thing i would give the teams to, to, yeah. to give them adequate time to do a long run reset the car do a fast run yeah, with, no, by actually by actually adjusting what you would adjust on the car in the garage between qualifying and a race. I get that. I I, 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 I don't. I I argue that the current format of giving them three hours of practice is is too much practice when you're getting it every weekend. Yeah, I get that, but I just feel like the format doesn't work. Um, I I feel like the format is better than it was before, but I feel like the format also needs to. Improve. We all know the format needs to be reverse championship grids. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the, the, even Lewis Hamilton talk... has now said this. Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton. The only person who hasn't said it is is anyone from Red Bull. That's yeah. because Checo would probably finish at the back. Sorry, Bro, sorry, Checo sorry. Might, sorry. No, don't be silly. Don't be silly. <laughs> Checo would win the race because what, starting start... from twentieth. No, he 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 wouldn't start from twentieth in a reverse grid though. Oh, yeah, he starts 12th and finished 12th. <laughs> he start 8th and finished 12th, Tim. Come on. No, he's, um, he's not going to be 16th in the or 14th. Sorry, he's not going to be 12th in the championship, is he? Even in that no. red, even in that Red Bull, he's never going to be 12th. I'm being silly. I'm being facetious, but yeah, he would start. He would start right. And let's say he starts 17th and finished 12th. The way that the way it'll go, the, or the way that they reckon it's going to go with this new form, with the format, because they say it's going to change, is going to be. Practice. It's going to be the same format, except for sprint qualifying and well, sprint qualifying goes Friday afternoon. Sprint race Saturday morning. Then Park Ferme is locked, or Park Ferme will be unlocked between the sprint race and normal qualifying. Which yeah, could work. But before we start recording, we um we discussed the format which we thought was better or could work, which. Um, was that you went FP1, qualifying, FP2, then you entered part Ferme, then you had a reverse grid sprint race, and then you had your Grand Prix. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I, I would be happy with either reverse qualifying grid or reverse championship order grid. I know that both have actually been mentioned in FIA messages and FOM messages about this. So I, I would be happy either way. With, with with that at least if you did maybe if you did a reverse full race grid um you wouldn't have the same person logan Sargent, starting on pole at every sprint race so that might mix it up a bit if you did it based on that weekend's qualifying session for the grand prix rather than rather than the uh championship order i think anything anything just to make it a little less predictable <laughs> a little less samey please yeah I would even take FIA, if you're listening, if anyone from the FIA listens, even take a top 10 reverse grid. Yeah. Even even if you did qualifying and flip the top 10. It, it's worked in F2 for a decade, two decades, however long it's worked for. You get midfield drivers who are earning those seats in the midfield cars because they're better than the fodder at the back. And they get to start up front and they get to show their driving talent, show their driving skills to the big teams. And it yeah. needs your car, and it 
And it means it, that you also get it. It's oh, well for Verstappen, it would be easy to go through, but I, I don't think that Ferraris and Mercedes would be carving through Alpines, Aston Martins, and maybe even Alpha Tauris at the moment, like with consummate ease. If there's a few of them that have got to do it. Oh my goodness. Chelsea are so shit. No, their goal, the Tottenham goalkeeper is having the game of his fucking career. He's having the game of his career, but the problem <laughs> is Chelsea. I'm looking at it's like going, all like all Kukurea had to do there was just go square it early, but he didn't. I don't think, no, I don't think he did. I think the keeper and the defender that was covering. No, but he tried all... to do it on his own. He just had to square it early. He had a runner on the far side. But I don't think they're, they're useless. I mean, Mudrick's done nothing but pass the ball too late and get caught offside. And, and anyway, ball off for goal kicks. Yeah, that's true as well. He's done that too. Um, he's been as underwhelming as uh, Mercedes has been. Yeah, Look, um, Dan, you can cut that out because we've talked too much about football on this podcast. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the way it's happened is, I mean, Croft, you speaking about it in FP1, um, or only FP, should we say? Um, and that was the the drivers are all calling for reverse grids. So why don't they just try it, even if the engineers say it's not going to work? Just try it. Could I mean, you, you tried you try to limit, and then they all just decided to drive to the grid in the championship order. <laughs> didn't yeah. tell the FIA. Didn't tell their engineers. I'd love to see it. Look, if the FIA were willing to try elimination qualifying, then just give sprint races it with reverse grids a go. What's the worst that could possibly happen? Oh no, it works. What are you going to do then? Admit you were wrong. Well, you've done that enough times, haven't you? In the last few um, last few years, you had to go, sorry, we've messed that up. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. We're sorry. Forget, like, oh. the F1 thing. You might as well just start it with an apology. Yeah. Also, we are racing in Vegas for the purpose of showmanship and entertainment. No, we're not. What? Yes, we are. We're racing in money. Vegas, but we're, we're racing Vegas purely for commercialization. I mean, you're going and doing a street race, and what do you do? You put some, you put film up over all the bridges so people can't see the track unless they're paying to see it. Yeah. Um. What What you also do is you um make the race a 10 p.m. at night start on a Saturday night, which for your European audience will be a 6 a.m. Sunday morning race start. So there's nothing wrong with that? No, no, no. I, I don't mind it when it's in a time zone that calls for that. But if you're going to have a, sp- a street race in Vegas, you make that street race Sunday afternoon with a evening European time. Uh, if, if if you're going to have a street race in Vegas, you race on a Sunday in the afternoon. And I don't give a flying crap about your... Oh, they wanted to do it as a night race, didn't they? Do you know what I'd argue? What? Just I would, don't I would argue we race in Vegas. Yeah, just don't go to Vegas. Just don't... Everyone's got this, oh, we're racing in Vegas. It's going to be magical. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful for the couple of multi-millionaires who are able to afford a fucking ticket. And who will probably... Hello, Machine Gun Kelly, if you're listening. Leave when the two drivers of the team that you're being sponsored to watch or you've been invited by go out halfway through the race and then you're not even going to watch the end of it. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an absolute... I, I doubt that there will be... Sorry, who, who's Machine Gun Kelly? He is the rapper that Martin Brundle spoke to. Have you not seen this? The rapper that Martin Brundle spoke to at the start of the race. And absolutely... Um, I... 
Uh, I, I don't. Like is he a rapper? Wanker, the biggest wanker that Martin Brundle has ever spoke to on the grid. Is he a rapper? Yes, he is. Martin. Is he a rapper? I thought he was just a little bitch. Yeah. Martin Brundle, for those of you who don't have the Sky UK coverage or haven't seen it, uh, walked up to Machine Gun Kelly. He, he knew who he was speaking to. He asked him about his career. And then he said, what do you think of Formula One, our industry? You, you're on a Formula One grid. You've been invited there by a Formula One team, exactly the same as Cara Delevingne. He'd been invited, uh, Silverstone, he'd been invited there by Alfa Romeo. Um, he, he was walking down the F1 grid. And his response was, uh, what do you think of um, my industry? And Martin Brundle said, oh, the history of music in F1 is great. So what do you think of Formula One? And then he, he responded with, oh, what do you think of my industry? Oh, we're going to play a guitar and a keyboard solo together on the grid, air guitar and air solo. When Martin Brundle's got all this stuff, and when Martin Brundle said, I've got the microphone, I've got my headset on, I need to get to the other drivers, he walked away just going boo and putting his thumbs to Martin Brundle's face. If you're going to come to the F1 grid and you're a celebrity, you do, you fucking have got to show an interest in F1 because there are tens of millions of fans around the world who would give up their life savings to even have that opportunity to walk on the grid. And you're going to then get the chance to talk to a media legend, a, 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 one of a great driver from the 90s and in front of millions of fans and you're just going to treat it like you're the only person that matters in that situation get a fucking grip of the world you absolute tosser and and this is why we're in vegas people because people like that can say oh look i was at the formula one yeah welcome welcome to everything wrong with formula one which is going to become even more apparent in vegas and i just can't wait till they go I can't wait till the people of Vegas revolt and go, no, that was shit. Don't want to do it again. Oh, they're and already saying it. You look at social media. They are already media. saying it. And I, I hope that it doesn't go back to Vegas because it's everything wrong with Formula 1. It was a nice idea. If you want to race F1 at Vegas, put them on the fucking oval where there's already a racetrack and send them around the oval for 100 laps. I would pay to watch that. You reckon? Yeah. I mean, make, I'd much make rather... It, make it F1's first oval race and you can have the teams go into the casinos you can have your events maybe an event down the strip one evening that doesn't take up the whole strip and doesn't cause trees that have been there for 20 30 years to be uprooted that doesn't cause the local people who live there to be absolutely shafted and treated like animals just herded around like i just just as, as a, how does how does vegas get it this wrong when you know we always joked and said well done baku and laughed about that slogan well done baku because you never saw anything about baku yeah shafting all its residents for the race you don't see it about monaco what did monaco go oh we have to move a cafe sorry everyone we're just going to move a cafe oh that's fine the owner's going to be compensated i'm sure oh and also the business that that cafe is going to do on an f1 weekend mm. at monaco when he's got a fucking multi, the, the glitz and the glamour of the world's media, the world's sports stars, and then also your everyday fans who come off that hill above the Rathcast. Like, they, they, they pay minimal prices to the landowners. They, they don't have to pay millions to watch the race. If, if you own an apartment or you own a building, 
you don't you have can a actually do screen it. part up, put up in front of your building so that you can't watch it. Oh my god! Oh, oh! <laughs> he's offside. <laughs> he's offside. <laughs> what a fucking finish! He, he says he's not. He says he's not. They're checking it. They'll what? check it. Yes, we are. Um, but oh. anyway, yeah. Sorry, Tim. You were in a really good rant there until you got excited by Tottenham. Oh, no, I got excited, but I thought you were offside. <laughs> yeah, offside, yeah. Game over. Um, um, yeah. What a finish. Um, yeah. Yeah, the people of Vegas, absolutely shafted. Yeah, if you're, if you're in Monaco, if you're in Azerbaijan, and you know what? I've got my problems with Azerbaijan. I've spoke about them before on this podcast. There, there is a moral aspect about us racing there that, to me, isn't highlighted the same way that the moral aspects of races in the Middle East are highlighted or even races in Brazil or races in America or, or this Vegas race that we're just talking about. But but we, but, but they actually, they, they put on a good show. When you look at the ticket prices, they're comparable to pretty much all the other European races. And yeah, the flights to get there might be a bit more expensive than your average European race, but it's not out of there for your F1 fan who wants to go to one race a year being able to afford that one race a year. It's it's not out of the possibility. No, it's just every yeah. we we talk about you you say like oh yeah there are your obvious issues with there's obvious issues with Vegas there's obvious issues with everything in Formula One right now and it's the fact that it's pandering to the rich pandering to the famous the regular fans being priced out as by the fact that there's a race in Vegas and it's how expensive to go unbelievably expensive Thousand. like you made a like you made a fantastic point earlier with. General admission for Monaco. You can go watch the race in Monaco for a hundred quid. Yeah, you might not have the best view of the circuit, but you can you can get a seat on a on a bank that overlooks a part of the circuit. More to the point, you're actually sitting over one of the bits of the track that um, actually has a realistic overtaking opportunity in Monaco. Yeah, over the Rathcar. Yeah, and you know what? It's a new street track. I actually think. That that middle sector, the twisty sector, even though it might not offer the best overtaking, could be quite thrilling. Could be quite a, a challenge. It, it reminds me a lot of the first sector in Saudi Arabia with those twisting high speeds, flowing corners. I, I think it. I think it could be quite a nice driver circuit where you get a break down that straight, but everything else around it for me just just doesn't doesn't just doesn't feel right and i'm really sorry but it as as a as an f1 fan and yeah i might be a bit of a traditionalist a bit of a purist um we we we're both fans that weren't people who came in as a result of drive to survive we've been watching it for a long time it's a case of every fan's needs needs to be met not just the the fans that financially construct as championship money yeah well, that's that's it. you and I are the fan, fans that are a result of generations before us watching Formula One. Yeah, and it feels like what was initially we're going to help make Formula One more because we went to a race after Formula One had been purchased by Liberty Media, and it was fantastic. The accessibility was brilliant. They put on loads for the fans, but now they've priced the fans out. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is the way the modern world works, um, but it's expensive. Um, I'm not going to get too much into it here, but 
the Silverstone. Well, it's it's going. Year. We know yeah. we're going to. We we could sell these tickets for for two hundred and fifty pounds, but we know we're going to sell them all out if we sell them for four hundred and fifty pounds. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Yeah. Or in the case of Silverstone this year, for some of the grandstand tickets, seven eight hundred pounds, which for three days, which I'm in a very it's... lucky position that. I can't believe My how family. much we. I can't believe that we we bought three full weekend passes for for Monza five six, six years ago, three hundred quid each, and now now if we, I mean, it's che- it, it was cheaper for us to go to a race in Monza now, then flying with grandstand tickets than it is now to get general admission for a weekend in Silverstone. Yeah, I agree. It's it's awful. It really is awful. Um. So I am part of the problem. I'm going to Silverstone next year. We have turn one Abbey Grandstand tickets that are reserved seating for all three days and we pay it. But because of the cost of the last two years, we're going to have to go from considering going every year to considering going every other year and saving our money in the years where we can't go. And when I'm sat in July this year watching the cars go round Silverstone on my TV at home with, with my family, and we're having to go next year. Next year we can afford it, but we can't afford to go every year anymore. It just it hurts. It hurts a little inside. And and we are in a very very I'm in a very very lucky position where I get to go once every other year. At the moment, there's there's plenty of fans who can't who are diehard F1 fans. They will be watching a practice from Australia at three four a.m. in the morning. They will be watching the Vegas practices late at night they'll be watching qualifying on a Friday they'll be finishing work early and going I've got to be home for qualifying for a Grand Prix for a race in Mexico on a Friday afternoon <laughs> it's, um, or even a practice maybe and they might never get the chance to go to a Grand Prix because the prices that F1 charge now even for general admission and for and for what you get it's just ridiculous it's a, it's a real shame it is the way the world is going inflation is a thing but inflation in f1 is so much more than seemingly inflation everywhere else in the world which is just such a shame pretty much we've been ranting for a long time now about how expensive formula one is and we always try and do our bit of Formula one fans uk to, to just try and make something accessible to a fan I mean, the grid rival um league that you heard me reference earlier in the podcast the prize this week was that we were going to give w- w- the prize this year that we're giving away is it, it's a hat of the driver that you uh, that you choose it's like you you can go oh it's my favorite driver team the winner of that league is going to get the hat that they choose and it might not sound much but we're a, a plucky podcast that you know between the five of us who you've heard on here we each contribute a few quid a month it goes towards the running costs the little bit extra that we put away has gone into funding postage for competitions prizes, yeah. and, and prizes. And that's that's where we are. And we're, we're going to be releasing bits and sending bits. And there's been bits where we've done some competitions earlier in the year. We're going to mail those out. Make yeah, sure we'll, we'll, we'll be here through the off-season as well. We might not be a regular through the off-season, but we'll keep you updated on your F1 news and your give you your F1 fix. Well, that's, that's there, are, there, are are, plenty of, there are plenty of free places to get your F1 fix, and you were unlucky enough to fall in love with this one. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we try and do our bit by making F1 affordable. We can't, we can't give away tickets. We'd love to be able to give away tickets and stuff like that. But 
with your you support, know. we could do that. Maybe we could do that one day. But what 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 we can also do is help you find something that Reese could then reference. You know, if you if you do this link perfectly. We can't give you tickets. We'd love to. We should support maybe one day we can. But we can. Uh, we'll do what we can. You know, to to make things possible. And what we one of the things we do we're sponsored by um by a UK based business that just do, that they track all that and we always give them a shout out on the podcast because they supply some of the prizes throughout the year and it's yeah amazing they do that because they don't have to do that they don't have to give up you know a small bit of profit or whatever it is to to give us a few prizes and, and we're always grateful for it um so that's why we want to say thank you to our sh- podcast sponsor apextracks.com um who for any of you you know if you want 3d printed track wall art you've probably seen it all over the internet there's probably a few people to do it but go to these guys because you know joss who runs it top guy he helps us out and that we'd like you to support him if you can support him so head to his website which is apextracks.com that's a-p-e-x-t-r-a-x-s.com and uh yeah check out and, and you know buy something because you know you're helping fund a, a motorsport fan who you know he might want to go to a race too uh <laughs> he might want to go to vegas and uh and uh stick it to the man <laughs> it's just uh no we, we, we rambled on for a while i think we'll wrap up this podcast tim but we hope you've enjoyed us ranting about brazil and everything that went wrong in brazil and uh vegas and everything that's wrong with vegas and you will hear from us in a couple of weeks when we reaffirm our beliefs that everything was wrong with vegas even if vegas was a good race oh um one last vegas prediction cold temperatures and a slippery track surface has an alfa romeo in the points because their tires won't die um <laughs> no um Bottas loves a slippery surface my my prediction is going to be cold temperatures and a slippery surface the hard tire will once again be completely useless and a waste of carbon emissions the fact that they decide to even ship it out there in the first place pirelli but yeah bring also back the hypersoft bring back the hypersoft <laughs> and um put logan what the fuck is at the corner sergeant in the points in vegas that's my prediction oh uh, he had a good drive i know people were out but he beat everyone that he would be expected to beat <laughs> anyway um yeah I guess. So we hope you've, um, yeah, uh, he guesses that's it. It is it. That is it for this podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to our ranting. Um, if you if you want to hear more of our ranting, well, I'm sure you know where to find it. It's in the link of the bio of the podcast. We'll keep ranting. Um, and until next time, cheerio, guys. It's so long. See you in Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Vegas. <laughs>